grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. consider the Lenten account, the passion history of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as found recorded in the four Gospels. We open with these words. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, called the Passover, was approaching. Jesus said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. They plotted to arrest him in some sly way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. Judas asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They counted out for him 30 silver coins. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sac sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus sent two of his disciples, Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, Go into the city. As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house where he enters. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. In the evening at the proper hour, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them are given the title benefactor. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones 
judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Once you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. It is all of John chapter 11, but I'll open with these words from the chapter. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not going to result in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather together to focus in on during this Lenten season the suffering and death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the sins of the world, which includes our very own sins, consider this question. If 
you could be told the very date and time and circumstance of your death, would you want to know? We might be tempted to think, yes, I would love to know. And then maybe I'll really work hard to maybe live a better life because I know when the end is going to come and what's going to happen to me. But the truth of the matter is, is sinful human beings who have even inherited a sinful nature, no, we would definitely be tempted to think, if I know the very date and time and circumstance of my death, I could live it up now. I could do all that repenting and, and God stuff later. I could live life to the fullest. Whereas the old philosophy says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may be dead. The truth of the matter is, none of us would ever handle at all knowing the very time and, and the date and the circumstance of our death. In fact, not even the Lord tells us when he's going to come back on the last day. He simply invites us to watch and pray. Even though our Lord does not tell us, and I'm convinced he doesn't tell us because he never gives us more than we can handle, know that Jesus knew. See, Jesus was perfect. He was not a sinful human being. He would not abuse it. The Lord Jesus is the very Son of God himself. So he knew everything that was going to happen. So I can't even begin to imagine what he was thinking and, and entirely what was in his heart and mind except what the scripture reveals. But what he was going through as he took his final steps that led to the cross. So we're going to, during this Lenten season, take a journey of our Savior's final steps, hearing his words, seeing what he has done, and certainly being awed and appreciative of the very Savior who did pay for all of our sins. This evening, we consider his final steps that actually led to a tomb. Not his tomb, but actually another tomb. The tomb of Lazarus. In John chapter 11, we hear of Lazarus for the first time. We hear that he's actually living two miles from Jerusalem in Bethany, and that he actually had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now Mary and Martha, those two we have heard before. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, he was at their house, and Mary was at the feet listening to Jesus. Martha was in the kitchen preparing for the meal, upset that Mary wasn't helping, rebuked the Lord to tell Mary to help. And Jesus replied back, Martha, Martha, you are upset about many things. But Mary has chosen what is better, for there is only one thing needful. And that was listening to Christ. Now Lazarus, we're hearing, is sick. In fact, he's actually deathly sick. Jesus was not in the area. He was staying way away from the area because many of the Jews were, were looking to uh, attack him or, or try to arrest him. So right now, it was not his time to be around Jerusalem and Bethany. But 
Mary and Martha sent a message, and it was a very short one. It simply said, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. The very words, the one you love, that word love in the original language is actually the word for brotherly love or friendship love. In a, in a couple verses, we'll hear that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and that love was not friendship love. That was actually the agape love. This is the love seen in the cross of Christ. This is a love that sees a problem and does something about it. This is a love that's sacrificial, unending, unconditional, and always never failing. Jesus had this kind of love. And we have to understand that because what is about to happen may seem very confusing. Everything Jesus did, he did out of love. And so he did not go back right away. He waited two days, and because he waited two days, by the time he does get back, Lazarus will already be in the grave for four days. He tells his disciples that what is happening to Lazarus will not result in death. In fact, everything that's happened is going to be done for the glory of God, and the Son of God will be glorified through it. So now that begs the question, why wait? Above all, the wait was really to strengthen the faith of the people he was about to meet. First and foremost, his, only, his own apostles, his own disciples. He would even tell them that Lazarus is simply asleep. And the disciples, they interpreted that to mean, well, if he's asleep, well, then he must be getting better. This is a good sign. Let him rest. And then he finally had to tell them Lazarus is dead. He knew this. They would even discourage him from going because of the enemies that were out to get him. But Jesus would not be deterred. He would not be stopped. This was all part of God's plan. When he goes to Bethany, he will go to raise Lazarus from the dead. Oh, how that would touch the heart of the disciples but also the two sisters, Martha and Mary. He first meets Martha. Mary was still at the house with other mourners. Martha comes in and actually says to them, says to him that if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then Jesus replies to her, your brother will rise again. She takes that as simply, yes, he will rise again on the last day. She believes in judgment day. She believes that Jesus will come on that day and all believers will rise and be taken to heaven. But that's not what Jesus was entirely talking about. He says this to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. Do you believe this? 
He doesn't say to her that I'm simply the giver of life, that somehow he's been entrusted with this ability to raise people from the dead. No, he says, I am life. There is no life outside of Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him will live even though he dies. And that word whoever is actually in the singular form. So he's talking to her in a very personal way. But the next whoever is actually in a general form. It actually in the original language includes the word all. All whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. As believers in Christ, even though we face death, we live because death is conquered. Death is no longer the gateway to hell. Because of our Savior, it is the gateway to heaven. There is life after death. And that life after death includes heaven itself. He asked her, do you believe it? And in Christ Jesus, my dear friends, do you believe it? And I pray your answer would be like hers. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Three things she stated, and each one of these could have a sermon in and of themselves. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one who has, who has fulfilled the offices of prophet, priest, and king. You are the one who spoke the truth because you fulfilled those Old Testament prophecies. You are a king who rules the universe for the good of the church and the saving of souls and, and rules in our hearts by your holy word. You are the, the priest, the high priest, who offers prayers and takes our prayers so that they are heard before the Almighty. And he is the Son of God. And above all, he offered himself as the once and for all sacrifice for the sins of the world. He is the Son of God. And it is a title that Jesus very seldom used. He would always use the term Son of Man, which always emphasized his humanity, that he is our brother who would take our place and take on the sins of the world in order to pay the punishment, which is death. And yet, he is the Son of God, so that his payment now would come for everyone and for all times. He is the one who is to come, the one promised. No one else could fulfill perfectly all those fingerprints called prophecies. Jesus fulfilled them all because he is the one. Mary spoke volumes. This was a confession, and this is our confession. This is why the Lord did not go back right away. And he not only was concerned about the disciples' faith and Martha's faith, but also Mary's faith. Martha tells Mary that Jesus is here, and she immediately leaves. The crowd that was with her in her house they didn't realize why she was leaving, so they end up following her. And when Jesus sees her in the crowd, we find that she is weeping. She, just like Mary, asks the question, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But when Jesus sees her weeping, a couple verses later we hear Jesus wept. 
in the original language, the word weeping and wept are actually two different words. In English, it's the same word for us. The weeping that Mary had is actually a word that means you weep in the sense of a loud noise. So it was more like a, a wailing-like weeping and, and crying out loud. The weeping of Jesus when he wept is actually the word that means to shed a tear. Jesus was deeply moved by the tears of these people and when he asked about where is Lazarus, he would weep. He weeped for these people. Because when Jesus asked for the gravestone to be removed, Jesus was going to show these people, not just Mary, but all the people that were there, who he really is. Some have described this miracle as probably the second best in all the miracles, his resurrection being the first. Because when they opened the grave, Jesus, after saying a prayer, would simply say a few simple words. Lazarus, come out. He said it loud for all to hear. And Lazarus came out. He would tell them to take the grave clothes off of him. He was alive. The very one who is life gave life and raised Lazarus from the dead. He certainly did it for the sake of Lazarus, but let's not kid ourselves. Everything that Jesus has done here, even the waiting four days, Lazarus in the grave, was really for us too and for all of us to hear and to take the heart who Jesus really is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the great I am. He is the Lord himself. And this very Lord himself certainly comforts us with hope to know that our loved ones who believed in him, they're alive. They live. Their souls are in heaven and will be reunited with their bodies on the last day and glorified and taken to heaven with all believers. But they live. There's life after death. And to hear that Jesus is the resurrection and the life who raised Lazarus from the dead is the very Lord who will raise us from the dead when it is our turn to be called home. And therefore we don't have to wonder and worry when it's going to be. We pray that when it is our turn, Lord, grant us a heart to believe who Jesus really is, the resurrection and the life. Now you would think the story should end there. This is the highest of notes, isn't it? This is such wonderful and great news. Why go on any further? This should have been the end of the entire book. And yet, we hear of more. Because some of those that witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus, they ran to the Pharisees, and the chief priests and the Pharisees called together the Jewish council called the Sanhedrin. 
Caiaphas was the appointed high priest that year. So he was the president of the council. Caiaphas, when, when he got everyone together, they all started debating of what they're going to do with Jesus because there was a great fear. If this Jesus is going to keep doing these kind of things, he's going to get people more and more believing in him and following him. And where is that going to place them? People won't be following them. They could even lose the entire nations. What happens if the Romans don't like this Jesus? They might come in and, and destroy everyone. They had their position. They had their power. They ruled over the nation. And Caiaphas said this, you know nothing at all. You do not even consider that it is better for us that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not only for that nation, but also in order to gather into one the scattered children of God. Speaking of the Gentiles as well. Didn't even realize it, but he was prophesying. And so from that day on, they would look for ways to arrest Jesus and end his life. They even were going to send out spies to watch for him so that they could look for an opportunity to entrap him and to get him. And now the story ends. But hearing all this is not just horrifying and terrible news. Keep in mind, Jesus knows his final steps. He knows everything that's going on. Everything that is going on is all in accordance with God's plan. What Caiaphas said, what, what the Sanhedrin was doing, all was going to leave or end with our Lord facing the punishment meant for the worst of criminals, but God himself would take that and turn it into a sacrifice for our sins. The Lord had a plan. And the plan was being fulfilled. And this is truly a great comfort to know that this same Lord who has a plan, has a plan for all of us, even in the face of the trials and tribulations that we may find ourselves. We have a God who says, I work out all things for good. He has a plan. He may use the triple, troubles and tribulations and, and even the persecutions and the hurts and the burdens that you carry. He may use them for certainly a greater good, to give glory to God and that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It may be that the Lord may use your suffering and, and your troubles in life for you to be a witness to someone or someone to be a witness to you. But everything done is done in accordance with the Lord. Because the Lord has a plan, we don't ever have to live thinking that when troubles and problems come, it must be because God is punishing me, because I deserve to be punished. No. God has a plan for your salvation. 
He truly does work out all things for good. Never tempts us beyond what we can bear. Always promises, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So as we travel during this Lenten season, we will do so following his steps, learning from his steps. And we do so with a repentant heart that is truly sorry for one's sins. But above all, a heart that believes in these beautiful words, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus really is the resurrection and life. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N dot O-R-G. May God bless you today and every day.